Welcome back to the FPL Fellas podcast. That's actually one thing I've realized listening back to the podcast. I don't actually say that. Um, it's important to get that one out of the way because it was also a big weekend for the FPL Fellas. Um, do you guys want to explain why? Um, Mr. O'Malley brought us to his homeland of Ireland and uh, we went to a, a football game. Here's what football game we go to. Yeah. Big all three, three of the lads fell in love with Irish footy on Friday night when they watched uh, Pats versus Rovers for the league. Um, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but that was a phenomenal, phenomenal experience. Like, with the fans, and even though the result didn't go our way, I thought just the quality of the football stuff was was fantastic. It was absolutely blown away. Yeah, I think Irish Irish football impressed me um, more so than I, than I kind of thought. The support I expected to be good, quite good. Um, and that was definitely a lot of fun. But the football impressed me as well. It was quite fast-paced. Um, we saw some some actual in, like interesting talents. Mason Melia there. Sam Curtis was there. Um, so maybe some guys we'll see playing in Europe uh, in the top five leagues in the next couple of years. But, um, yeah, it was a cool experience. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely rated it. Dublin, good city. Also, yeah, Irish football. I think it's always just a good reminder to always watch a local football as well just because... It's all you know. Football at all levels is class, you know. Even if it's your even rubbish fo- football, you know, watching someone's the league team is always quality as well. So at least yeah. it was nice to see when it's like I'll, again pleasantly uh, surprised how good the football was. And you know, on the other end of the spectrum, you know, when it's proper physical football, there's a certain side to that that's always appealing. Uh, I expect like a rainy Friday night physical football, lovely stuff to watch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was really, really enjoyable. But anyway, we'll def- back definitely, definitely, hopefully, make make the trip back at some point. Yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think it was also another thing to add was just like when we were in the pub afterwards, like just randomly talking to someone you met on your way to the bathroom or coming away from it, like seeing how passionate the fans could be for such just like on a grand scheme of things, something very small, and just how much it means to them on that weekend. There's five thousand fans there that were just over the moon to watch their local. Local team playing in Shakur. So, yeah, I thought that was pretty beautiful. Mm. Yeah, no, it's always good. It's always good. Us international boys don't have any understanding. <laughs> yeah, um, we, we don't get any of that experience, you know. All right. No, come on, say that. New York City FC fans are, are famous around the world. <laughs> yeah, unless, unless you count Southern, where me and Tom were local season ticket holders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Southern <laughs> District Football Club, big shout out. Or, uh, you know, Hong Kong Football Club, either way. They're yeah. both, uh, both very close to my heart. Um, yeah. All right, let's get into the FPL people. Yeah. What people are on here to listen to? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. All right, another another big weekend. I think it was a lovely, lovely weekend for us fellas because we all had Harlan captain. Um, I think we were all we didn't even podcast last week, so I think we came to that conclusion fairly like individually. We weren't really like I don't think we were any of us were like very much hammering Harlan in the. Uh, the group chat. So I think we all just came to that kind of decision but by ourselves. So what was it for you guys that like really, really stuck you onto Harlan Cap ahead of Salah? Yeah, I mean, I, w- I wasn't even ever thinking about capping Salah. Harlan was always my captain, but I'm not going to act like, I'm not going to like act like that was impressive or anything because I've captained him every single game week for this year. <laughs> so 10 game weeks in a row and this is probably the first game week where, you know, it really, really helped out because he was only about 100% EO. So, gained a lot of the points that we got um, and also kind of got an edge on all the FPL Twitter lads who 
have been raving for the past couple of weeks that you can go without Haaland, um, which I think all three of us kind of think is preposterous. But, um, yeah, I mean, the man repaid his faith, but it's not like I'm going to sit here and say I'm surprised. <laughs> like, I'm not, surprised <laughs> in, I'm not surprised in any bit, and that is why I captained him for 10 game weeks in a row, um, which is very boring, I have to say, but. I just, I just can't get off the man. I'm not going to get off him next week. Maybe there'll be a week coming up, but Haaland's my guy. Well, yeah. I mean, I've gone away from Haaland, so I think for me, it was more of a decision because I'm actually capable of doing it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think when it came to Haaland cap, I watched, I watched United midweek against Copenhagen and they were shocking. They were giving up chances, clear-cut chances, and several of them up to... A very, very, very average Copenhagen side. And I'm just watching that game. Oh. City are going to demolish them. Absolutely demolish them. And Haaland is is another level to, unfortunately, one of the greatest players of all time, Henrik Larsson's son, Jordan Larsson, who missed a penalty. Um, but yeah, no, uh, I knew I always had full faith in Haaland. And knowing that it was going to be a low EO or low captain Haaland was even more the reason to captain him. Just because I seeing on Twitter and even like off Twitter, I think everyone was getting quite frustrated with, with Haaland. I'm seeing people sell him, seeing obviously people move away from captaincy. So it was really, really extra, um, you know, low EO for Haaland given, given, you know, the circumstance of how good he is. And now that City are back to full strength, I was like, nah, it's, it's got to be done. Yeah. I mean, the whole, yeah, it, the fact that people didn't, kind of expect Roger to come back in and him to just bounce back immediately is a bit naive in my opinion. Um, it was kind of like, you know, you see, it, it, I think it was more confirmation bias for a lot of people that really didn't want to have Holland and saw other routes that were, you know, fun to do, obviously, because it's fun to get rid of guys like Holland and spread your funds and, and pick different players. But um, realistically, Holland's Holland. There's a reason he's worth 14 mil. We'd, we'd arguably all say he's still underpriced. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I had I was on the uh, the salad captaincy route for a while, uh, probably until I think Tom until you got to the hotel in Ireland. But on the plane, I was messing around with my team a bit, and I had salad captain. And then after just talking about with you guys and then looking on Twitter as well, I was just like, this is the time where everyone goes away from him. And this is where you get caught with like the sheep, and he's this is where he bites you in the ass, and that's exactly what he would have done if I stuck with Salah. So I'm yeah. very very thankful to to your captain him. Yeah, no, it wasn't anything to do with being anti-Salah or anything because I still looked at that like shit. Um, Salah, you know, easily capable of 10 plus pointer. So we did get lucky on the other end that I think Salah did have quite a poor game. Um, you know, if you looked at his stats, he didn't really get many shots off or many chances created. He, his goal in the end actually was just a rubbish goalkeeping mistake that allowed him to go free on for an open goal. But it was never like an anti-Salah thing. It was more just very pro-Haaland for this week. And the, yeah, as I said, opportunity to go against the crowd for once with a Haaland cap. Yeah, exactly. Um, I guess moving away from Haaland, because that talk's a bit boring. Um, how was your week, lads? Yeah, I'm happy with mine. Another very strong green arrow. So I think since my game week seven wildcard, I've only had green arrows. And moved from 300k to now I'm like 590k. So I think my early wild card has actually been really successful. 
Um, wait, 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 you mean you went from 590 to 300 or? What did I say? No, so I went from three mil, sorry, three oh. mil to 90k. <laughs> yes. So that was my rank at game week seven, only green arrows since. Um, so yeah, I think the guys that hit for me this week, I had, so what did I say? I got like 89 points, Hull and Cap, and DRB, DRB smashed it for me. Um, Son was very good. But, and I mean, my, my transfers this week were rubbish. So I did Watkins in, and then I took a minus four to do that. So I downgraded Trippier, which was good. He didn't score in the end. And I downgraded Madison to Matoma, who, yeah, ended up scoring less points than Madison. He still returned. But yeah, Matoma, maybe some concerns I saw around Twitter with his positioning. But I mean, I had another look at his, like, his average positioning on the pitch, and he was still really high up. So I do expect him to return it back to his conventional position, especially because Brighton were pretty poor and a super is expected to come back at least in the next two weeks. So I think Matoma will come good. I'm not, not too worried about that. Yeah. yeah. I'm not worried about either, but Pierce? Um, yeah. I mean, I had my second red arrow in a row. It's 64 points and just the Salad cap, captaincy saved me. I burned Darwin again, and he burned me. So bringing in Watkins, that wasn't great to feel. Um, but just before the ball, we were talking about how he's the type of player you just like you bring him in, and you don't get rid of him until the wild card. And that's something I'm probably going to end up doing maybe this week, maybe next. Uh, but it's definitely on the card in the next two weeks. That's for sure because it's got to get done. I'm losing too many points behind the fellows that have already used theirs, which is a pain in the ass. But yeah, how'd you do? Yeah. Uh, I had a lovely week. I wildcarded. Actually, weirdly, um, I think it was very popular to wildcard on Twitter, but when looking in our cash leagues and stuff, um, I think I was the only person. I think maybe me and one other person might have wildcarded. So it was a huge boost for me in the mini leagues. Um, I hit 91 points, which was class, Um, especially because I hit the wildcard and kind of fretted right after thinking it was a mistake. I got lucky in some areas, but um, some good differ- differentials came off. Um, Shimakas for six points. Wilson for 13 was my big one. And then, obviously, the Holland captain. I had Madison Saka for six, Cash for five. And then got very, very, very lucky to get Branthwaite off my bench, second off my bench um, as my second vendor because Van Heck didn't play. And I don't know why I put Van Heck in front. Uh, but Branthwaite for eight points kind of really... You know, culminates my week into a very good one. Um, so yeah, I mean, as good as a wild card can really get, I think I beat the average by twenty-five points, which is solid. Um, and I rose from one point one or one point three to four hundred k. So time to move forward from here, but in a good spot. Watkins was a disappointment, I'd say, and that's about it. Matoma too, but um, I think. I'm wait. I'm like you said, Tom. I'm waiting for a stupid on come back to kind of give Brighton another dynamic on the attacking front. Um, yeah, because I think they're they're relying on. Or I mean, you know, I'm not going to say relying because I think there's still so many good good players there, but they don't have that marauding wing back that just creates stupid amounts of space for them, like usual. Mm-hmm. Um, waiting for a stupid on, and you know what? I might be getting a stupid on in if I'm honest. So. Yeah, I mean exactly. I think yeah, with this current Brighton team, they've got now. They'll play like Veltman and Igor as their fullbacks, which just kind of makes you a bit one-dimensional when you've just really only got your wingers to pin back a fullback. When you do have really, really direct fullbacks, it just gives 
with Toma especially with the stupid Yang driving forward so much more space on the inside or to beat him on the outside just because you have that extra runner just to put something more on the mind of the defender. So yeah, and I think that really, really brings out the best of Matoma as we saw. Um, he was at his best right at the start of the season when the stupid Yang was there. So I think, yeah, I think as owners, we're just hoping that he comes back as soon as possible. And yeah, but I think on, on the other end, I mean, I said I had DRB. So I'm actually, even though I did, you know, sort of rip up my team almost with a minus four to bring in Watkins, I'm happy that it was DRB that returned because obviously he's the bigger, uh, he's the bigger sort of differential between the two. And also when I look at them, when Villa's fixtures do sort of dry up and they get a bit tougher, it will be DRB that goes for me and Watkins is more of the long-term hold just because obviously he's the number nine. He is more of the um, the chance whore uh, where he sort of like, he just get, takes all of the chances um, or he occupies all of the positions to make up the chances. So I think he's a better long-term hold. Whereas DRB is someone that you can sort of take in and out depending on fixtures and he's a lot more sort of, uh, a lot more sort of vulnerable to to tougher fixtures and being pulled out wide. So yeah, I think Watkins is a longer term hold is something that I'm planning to do. Yeah. And Watkins is an interesting one. I think he's going to be a long term hold for me as well, just because he's not the kind of guy that's worth getting rid of. The only thing I would say is that Man City Arsenal at home, double 15-16. Scary looking, but um, you know, it's I think they're probably, both at home. Probably okay. Both at home. Yeah, it probably both at home yeah. so it's probably okay for an attacking team like Villa. Um, who are probably going to get at least a goal in most games. Um, uh-huh. So, yeah, I agree with you on that. I was a bit bummed I didn't go DRB because I've been anti-Watkins. For a, a, not anti-Watkins, but I was I, I was just like, I didn't see a huge difference in 1.5 mil for those two. But I, I think there is there is ways to justify it. But I think it's actually a lot closer than people think just because of the money and right now how tight money is um, with Salah and Haaland and most teams. But that's a that's a question I don't need to get fully into right now. Um, but yeah, so what are you guys doing looking forward? It, um, I would say my future transfers. So I think most people who hold their Spurs defender, whether that's Adogi or I've got Pedro Porro, I think it's potentially time we start to sort of let them go. I'm looking at their fixtures now. Chelsea at home, tough. Wolves away. Seeing that they're tough, they have Neto out, but they're still a good attacking side. Villa, City, West Ham, Newcastle. So I think definitely for the next sort of five or six fixtures, I can't really see any clean sheets there. And as much as I like Pedro Porro as an attacking option, I'm just someone who really, really likes to bank on my clean sheets, and I'd rather have clean sheet first, attacking potential second. And yeah, as much as I really do back them for a goal in that run, if they lose their clean sheet then it's kind of like, well, you've only gained two points there and it's not not that deep for how unlikely it is. So, yeah, I think I'm going to be moving him on for Shimikas. I think Shimikas, the value there is just ridiculous. He went up in price this week, but his fixtures are so good. You know, like when, you, when you're when you paying six mil for another sort of Liverpool defender, that's the given price for it. And now, his, you know, you're going for 4.6. Plus, he takes corners. Plus, he is capable of getting forward and getting a decent cross in. So, yeah, I think he's uh, he's going to be in everyone's teams for the next couple of weeks at least. Yeah. I mean, he's almost guaranteed like a certain amount of points. Like, we, can, we can very much expect him to get 
I'd say so. We got Luton next, Brentford after that, City in between, but then Fulham, Sheffield, and Palace. Like in those five games, I'll probably bench them against City. But in those five other games, you can almost expect like twenty plus twenty five points. Um, mm-hmm. I expect him to get a nine point to a ten point at some point. Clean sheet. He was pretty close on the weekend. He had one one key pass. I was like. 0.4 something XG. I actually didn't see the chance if I'm being fully honest. So, but 0.4 XA, sorry, on a, a chance creation is pretty solid. Um, basically means that whoever took the shot had a pretty bad shot. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping that can turn into something. Yeah, he's coming in. He's coming in on my team for you, Dogi, this week. I've got not enough cash for him, so just an easy swap. But yeah, he's definitely someone I'm going to look at. But I, I feel like if I'm going to do a wild card in two weeks' time, if I just bring in Simicast, I may as well do, he's going to be part of the wild card anyway. So I don't know what you guys think on that. Yeah, I, I'm actually a very big um, – I'm a big fan of the sheep at the back at the moment because Trippier, like we, we talked about, me and Tom both got rid um, this week. I got rid on the wild card, which was a lot easier than what Tom was doing, but – it was just the fixtures you're looking at it and you can see a goal from the opposition in pretty much every one of those. And it's like at 6.7 with the amount of money we need in the midfield and forward line. Um, it, it was very, very much important to do so. Um, and so I think guys like Shimakash, Cash, even the guys at 5 mil, I, I kind of look at as budget players. Um, so anyone 5.3 or below to a certain extent is pretty much budget. And you can put in guys like Branthway, who I got lucky with this week. Charlie Taylor, people got lucky with, but he'd probably be my last defender, fifth defender, if I was to pick one. Um, so there's definitely a, there's definitely a route to go down the cheap cheap guys, and I think a lot of them have good fixtures, like Shimacast and Cash. You can basically play both of those most weeks going forward. Um, Arsenal defenders, if if you're able to get them in, like even Zinchenko or whatnot. Um, aren't bad picks, even though Sincheco is rotation prone. Um, but there's a lot of people in the 5.3 below that can kind of make up for Trippier and whatnot. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think the cheaper defenders right now are looking a lot a lot better than they were early in the season. And, you know, the other team as well, Crystal Palace, they've got really good fixtures. You can sort of pick any of their sort of nailed guys. They're all going to be good right now. You know, you could even drop even further down to the cells. Like, as much as Newcastle do have a bit tougher fixtures, you know, they've got Arsenal at home. But then you can sort of pick and choose their games because you can sort of, with someone like the cells, you can just keep them on the bench and then play them for Bournemouth, Everton, Fulham, Luton, and that sort of keep them on the bench for Arsenal, Chelsea, United. So, um, yeah, I think he's also a fun option, especially because we saw that Botman is going to be long out longer than we thought, which... It's kind of frustrating for me because if I knew that, I would have probably got Lascelles. Um, I did Gusto as well, who probably, again, I thought I, I'm, my thinking with Gusto is that he's going to be reliable to know when he starts just because you sort of know when Reese James starts that he's going to start the one after. Um, but yeah, Chelsea are, Chelsea are not looking the best because, you know, they play well against the good teams but awful against the bad teams, which is the worst way to have it on FPL. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be kind of tough with them. Actually, you know what? I think one team you, you have to point out right now, as much as they have been on awful form, is Man United, just because you look at the next three fixtures, Fulham, Luton and Everton, and those are just ridiculously good fixtures. 
and someone like Dallo, who I've I've I've, I've loved Dallo. He's got a, he scored me an absolute banger two weeks ago. But I mean, I get that that was very lucky, but at the same time, his numbers when are so good. I think when you look at his positioning again in games against weaker teams, he's so high up. And yeah, I, I said before that Sheffield United game that he was due a goal. Um, and yeah, again, he could very, very much pick another one up in these next three. So I think I really, really like him as a pick. Yeah, if I was to go anywhere for United, I'd go to a fence. Um, so I think Dallow picks himself quite easily because the only other alternative I'd say is there's Maguire if you really want to do that. Um, who will probably be kicked out of the starting lineup at some point. Um, and Unana, who is an expensive goalkeeper. I don't think anyone's really trying to spend that kind of money on the keeper. So Dallas is definitely a very solid pick at the moment. Um, I guess one thing I wanted to speak about was the forwards, because um, I think there's an interesting group uh, amongst them right now where kind of going in and out of them, but this week Wilson has now popped up and he's not going to be... 100% nailed forever. Um, but be, Wilson being Wilson and Newcastle being as good as they are, like realistically, they're an elite attack. Um, is it worth it to bring him in for just like the next two game weeks? I mean, they've got Arsenal home this week and Bournemouth away. And if I'm fully honest, I expect a return from Wilson in both games. I really do. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it depends on sort of how you. Um, you want to view that Newcastle game in all, in all fairness. But, I mean, what we always do say is, or is you know, when one of Isaac or Wilson's injured, you get the other one. And, you know, this situation's come. You've made the most of it. And, he, you know, even if he blanks in the next two, you've got those two goals to play. He's, he's, he's already gotten. So he's come with some value. But, yeah, I think it it is they're definitely new Arsenal at home. I think it is a tough tough fixture. And especially now that they've got the League, the league Cup midweek, They've got the Prem weekend, Champions League midweek, and then Bournemouth away next week. I think Wilson will kind of be expected to play a lot of those minutes because who's gonna, who else can play striker there? Um, yeah, basically. I'm not really sure. So I think maybe he'll have his minutes managed and he might not be 90 minutes uh, necessarily. But you know what? He still takes pens and, and he's still getting so many chances. So he yeah. is a great option. I mean, I think this Arsenal game will be prioritised over any UCL stuff. Um, realistically, they could they could go without him for 45 minutes in the UCL game, but they definitely cannot go without him against Arsenal this week. Um, and also, if I'm being fully honest, this, this Arsenal fixture versus Newcastle, I've been very, very excited for basically for the past five to six game weeks because Arsenal have done well this season. but And, and when they beat City, I, I just thought it was a bit... Not unfair, but I just thought it wasn't 100% because of Rodri being out. And I know that sounds like shitty because they didn't have Saka and they were missing people too. But they were like City were missing the spine of the team and we've seen how poor they are without him. I think Newcastle are probably the hardest team for Arsenal to go up, up against, especially considering the styles of play. And I I'm, I'm really would not be surprised to see a 3-0 Newcastle win. I would not be surprised I mean- at all. Because I just think Newcastle plays style of football that is very, very difficult for Arteta to play against. He's not going to be able to control the game in the way that he wants to. You say that, but at the same time, like Newcastle have their own sort of injury troubles now because Botman's injured, Tonali's banned, Isaac's out, um, you know, Barnes out. And, you know, if 
yes, Newcastle have had a great start to the season, but you kind of look at their last few games, draw to Wolves, they lost to Dortmund in the Champions League. Hmm. Um, so results have slowed down a bit. They've not been sort of marching on, like demolishing like they used to at the start of the season. So I don't, I don't think Newcastle come into this game on the best of form or really with their best eleven even. So I don't, I don't think it's necessarily set up for Newcastle to be really opened up to to score goals. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I see there's but there's issues both sides. Um, Lascelles is not worried to me. I think that I know how good Botman is, um, but I think the Newcastle team is is very system oriented and in the way that people can kind of walk in and, and pick things up. And obviously, that's not like for like. It's not one hundred percent, but um, it's obviously a downgrade from Botman. Um, but I think defensively they'll be all right. And I think that's the main component of it. I think guys like Wilson will be able to take good chances. They still have Gordon, Almiron and Murphy are still very solid up top. The midfield's still very, very good in between Gomerish, Joe Linton and them. Uh, I don't think Tonali's as big as a miss, people might think. Um, yeah, I, I mean, just generally, I, I just think the matchup is in Newcastle's favour. But yeah, Arsenal are definitely in good confidence so. Are obviously a good team, so we'll see how it goes. But this is an exciting I mean, show. The guy that most of these Harland teams, uh, Harland list teams have instead of the man is Darwin Nunez, who again, 10 points, goal and assist. Is he how is he someone that you're going to be looking to, to, to buy? Yeah, sorry. So I was my original point before I went all over Newcastle Arsenal was when Wilson was talking about the strikers, and yeah, so right now I have Wilson Watkins and Holland. And I think Darwin probably has to be there at some point. Um, I think Darwin's coming into his own. I think Klopp is becoming more trusted in his ability. Um, and also, if Darwin does consistently start, or at least start to a comforting degree that I can get him in, then I'm very, very, very happily would get rid of Salah. And it would make my team so, so much better. And I think in a couple game weeks, and I think I was looking at when Spurs played Villa in game week 13. I think that would be a time for me to do Watkins, either Watkins down or Wilson down if he's if Isaac's coming, still coming back in time. And then Salah to someone like Son. Um, I really, really like Son for that Villa at home game. So I think, I think those four are kind of the four forwards that you kind of really have to pick between. But there's still, there's still like other people you can go for. And for being fully honest, Calvin Lewin's coming into his own. He looks fit, he looks ready, and he's really cheap. He's someone you could honestly even bench at that price if you really wanted to. I, I don't know if I'd recommend it, but 5.8 for Calvin Lewin is pretty solid considering past seasons. Um, and we know that when he does kind of start playing, he gets into a good run of form. Um, he could do well. The fixtures are poor. Um, but he's also, you know, someone that kind of does well against good sides because he's an aerial threat. And I think in general, Everton aren't really better or worse, depending on how good the team is. Um, I think we kind of just turn up and compete, which means we can win in any game and we can lose in any game. Um, so if, if yeah, I, I just think there's a there's a host of strikers that are available. Jao Pedro, we were talking about before. Ferguson, we were talking about before. Um well, Nikesh, I mean, he's so gone to the map because of this week. Like, there's there's a lot of options up top, especially cheap ones. Um, so it's worth talking about. Yeah, so I think my sort of conundrum right now is, I actually do look at Darwin Nunez as someone 
who is almost a must transfer in this week because of the whole situation surrounding Diaz. I think that means that he's guaranteed to start. And I think when you have an explosive option like Darwin Nunez, who is guaranteed to start, he's almost, you've just got to find a way to have him in your 11. But but my, my caveat is, is I did bring in Hoyland uh, for that Sheffield United game. And now that he's got Fulham away, Luton at home, I think that's also, again, two insanely good fixtures. And you have to back the fixtures almost. And I've made my decision and I'm just going to see it out at least for these two weeks. Um, and yeah, I think, I mean, the I think with that is that with uh, Sorry, Gakpo's back, Gakpo's also back fit as well, which could hinder Darwin playing as well, which is why I think your, your pick with Hodgson is probably better. Oh, yeah, I, yeah I, don't, I don't disagree. As well. don't disagree but Ho- Hoyland's minutes are now being managed. When I brought him in, he was 90 minutes every week. Now he's been 62, 72. Um, obviously, they've got Cup midweek, Champions League midweek, and Hoyland's also expected to start those. But I mean, I still expect him to start in the Prem. But yeah, he's probably closer to 60, 70 minutes now, which if I'm bringing in someone for 60, 70 minutes, I'd much rather that be Darwin than Hoyland. Um, you know, I think one of the pros of Hoyland before was that he was, you know, 90 plus minutes, which he isn't now. So I think that advantage is mostly gone. But yeah, if he's still got those ridiculously good fixtures, I'm happy to see it for one more game, maybe. And then Luton, again, hold on to him for that. But then, yeah, if he's if he's not done that, then that Everton away game, he's gone no matter what, even if that is still a decent fixture. Uh, I'd just rather get rid of him if he's still blanked in, the, like, in those two. Yeah, I think that's really that, I'm not going to lie. In that game week, though, Tom, when you get rid of Hodgland during the Everton game, Darwin would be playing Man City away at the Etihad. Would you go uh, to that or would yeah. you go to like a Wilson? You would, okay. I think I probably still would. Um, again, I think what I was saying before with, with Darwin and him knowing Lee starting right now, I think that's a slightly diff- different situation where you can rush him in. But yeah, maybe again, if he does have City away, then I could, I mean, again, in a couple of weeks' time, it's easier to, to know. But uh, if I if I have a feeling that he starts versus City, I probably would bring him in. Um, I think Darwin, again, fixture-proof. doesn't matter who he's playing. He's pure chaos. And he will create chances against, you know, that City defence who... That they're not, they're not, uh, they're not impenetrable. That people create chances against them. So yeah, I think City, especially because they play a high line, you know, it's always available in behind. And yeah, someone like Darwin could easily expose that. Yeah, I think um, generally, like we've been saying all year, you're gonna kind of have to pick your routes and just forget about the other ones because there's gonna be guys that you don't have that hit, and you're gonna keep talking. We're all gonna talk about how they're gonna hit. And still not own them, um, so it's annoying when you know trying not to get mad about that. I think Ferguson's one of those for me. I think there's if you're gonna open, if you're gonna try and open up money, um, I think the forward line is probably the best way. I think most of us have done it through the back line right now. Like my most expensive defender is Cash at five point oh, um, but I think if you were to get rid of Wilson in two game weeks, if you have that. If you were to get rid of Watkins in three game weeks, you could do that. Um, even like Alvarez can go at this point if you're still on that. Um, and you can bring in any one of Ferguson, um, Ferguson, Jao Pedro, well, Darwin. 
and Ketia as well. And Ketia, like we were saying, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's there's definitely just a lot of option there. Uh, and Ketia is a weird one where I'm not. Yeah, I do like him as an option. He's played a lot. He's played a lot of minutes this year, and he's obviously trusted by. Um, he's obviously trusted by Arteta, but he's he's very much uh, a big bully on the little guys kind of thing. So you you really got to time it. Um, I think it was that the Prost uh, that the guy on Twitter. Um, and he got him in on a wild card this week, which was very much a good move. Um, I think Ferguson was a good move as well. Um, and all of those kind of worked out in the end. So Ferguson's still a good move. Ferguson would probably be my move right now. Um, I think he's a bit better than Calvin Lewin and in the exact same price, practically. Do you know what? I mean, so yeah, I, I, I think I agree with you about Ketia. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go for him. I think that's kind of a point, points chasing move yeah. because at the end of the day, now that you look at it, he's got Newcastle away, tough fixture. He's got Burnley at home, and then I think Jesus is scheduled to be back that game week thirteen. So I think he's kind of he's kind of a miss now. If you didn't get him, you've you've missed those points. You're not getting them back. And then yeah, when it comes to Ferguson, I have to say, I think that it's there's some low key injury issues that people that Brighton at least aren't willing to be yeah. open about. I um, saw that there was some articles about that. Yeah, there's some articles about it. I've seen a bit on Twitter about it where Stephen Kenny, the Ireland manager, was talking about it. And he's mentioned a few times on international duty about Ferguson having these sort of niggles, which Brighton don't at all mention, just because for the obvious reason, they're probably looking to cash in on him in the uh, in the summer next next uh, next year. And if that's the case, you know, and he's got a niggling injury, I think that, you know, that obviously takes an effect on his transfer value. So I think Brighton are going to be managing minutes you know, even though Brighton do a very, very good games or fixtures, even I don't think he's going to start. You know, even with Welbeck gone, I don't think he's going to start every game, and he's going to be taken off at seventy odd minutes. So, yeah, as much as he's a good option when he's on the pitch, and I think he's a you know brilliant player, think he's not going to be as good for minutes as as potentially you would think. Yeah, I I probably agree with that. The only side of it that I probably would say goes against that is I think he's clearly the biggest threat up top in that kind of way. so it is hard yeah. for a man it's a hard for a manager to say I mean he Welbeck is not they're not like for like in any way with him Welbeck they're both big bodies who can provide a threat in the box Chao Pedro is is a great player but he's not necessarily just a dominant penalty box guy um or not, not even Welbeck's not a dominant penalty guy but he can control the ball and and, and get keep the ball high up um, and hold it Chao Pedro was, I, I think it would make a lot of sense to play him at striker, but it would make a lot of sense to play him at striker 60 minutes in when Ferguson's already done the job. Um, because they do have a ton of guys that can play the number 10 role. Um, Lallana's still there and Ciso's injured, but uh, who Fatty, played behind? Fatty, yeah, yeah Fatty. Uh, who played behind today? Was uh, Gross didn't play behind. Who, who played behind? Lallana behind? played last, last game behind. Yeah, it was Lallana with somebody in the central role. I can't remember because. Matoma and Adingra were out wide. Uh, I can't. I can't remember. It was. It was too beautiful. But uh, whatever. But yeah, Lalana's there. So like, I, I'm. I can see a way in which Shao Pedro gets pushed up top for minutes reasons, like you're saying. But I'd imagine they're going to be asking, like, even if Ferguson's partially injured, they're going to be like push through it to the 60, 70th minute and get us a goal or two, and then you can come. Yeah, off. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree. I think Ferguson's. Easily the best finisher in that squad um, of the currently sort of available guys. I mean, even even not without them. Uh, but I think yeah, Chao Pedro's a lot 
elite, a lot better at like sort of chance creation for himself. I think he finds himself in a lot better positions in the box and coming across better chances for himself in the box. Uh, maybe he's just a bit more agile on his feet than than uh, Ferguson is. But yeah, he, I think his finishing still potentially has a lot more work to do. He has been quite wasteful at times. But then at the same time, he's on penalties. So um, yeah, if, if he's on the pitch and Brighton have a penalty, that's uh, some very, very nice points for you. So, yeah. yeah, I do. I do really like Pe- uh, Pedro just because his price is very cheap. But again, he's going to be someone that you're going to be frustrated by because he's going to get subbed early. He might not start. And again, if you buy him, that's just something that you just have to roll roll your dices with uh, and just take it on the chin. Yeah, I mean, at five point three, like you. Yeah, five point three exactly. That's something that you can you can you can manage that. He's definitely a bench guy. Like you can play easily have five good midfielders and then have him as your third forward. Um, and yeah, kind of work out. Um, I mean, he's he's much better than uh like a five point five midfielder, right? Or at least maybe not right now. Uh, yeah, maybe Bar Gordon. Yeah, maybe yeah. Bar Gordon and a Palmer. But um, yeah, I mean, it's all preference. I, I'm surprised Jao Pedro doesn't play as much as he does. He he really gets limited minutes. Um, he's a solid player and it's also weird that he's their penalty taker but he barely plays <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah he's. I, I think the forward line is an interesting spot right now I'm happy because my wild card kind of sorted my whole midfield and front three out I can just now tinker with my defence because I'm, my defence is a bit <clears> of <throat> from the wild card like Gabriel Van Heck like I need to, I need to deal with those guys in the next game week or two Oh yeah, for sure, Gabriel. I mean, I, I think Gabriel potentially is okay long term. Uh, it could have just been a uh, an international break rest because it should be an easier fixture. And I think he is a hold, definite hold this week, even if you don't start him. Um, so yeah, I would I would possibly keep him. And I, then... Actually, I'm like weird on that Lipton with Gabriel, but yeah, I do think it's worth keeping. But I I would have to get rid of Van Heck. So, because I need someone to play as my third guy, or else I'm playing Branthwaite against Brighton, which makes no sense. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Um, no, anyway, so I think that was um, that was good stuff, and yeah, let's leave it there. Yeah, last thing, Lipton, Salah or Holland for both of you, pick captain for captain this week. Holland, home to Bournemouth. Bournemouth have been shocking this year. Yep. Holland yeah, is for I the boys. FPL fellas are playing Holland. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be an easy one for me this week. All right. Stopping it there.